You know, I think a lot of what goes into it is what's the journey. Is it a point-to-point -point journey? Is it a bunch of little loops? Um, you know, are you on roads the whole time, or do you actually get off off road and have some challenging navigation? Um, and that's where I think that we really see the endless mountains marrying into the ARWS. Welcome to the Dark Zone, an adventure racing podcast. This is your host Brian Gatens. Today's an exciting episode where we welcome Rootstock Racing. Brent and Abby speak to us about the Endless Mountains Adventure Race, their collaboration with Bend Racing and Expedition Canada, and the introduction of Endless Mountains as an Adventure Race World Series demonstration race. Alongside that, Brent and Abby talk about their own experience as racers, the trends they're seeing in adventure racing, and what we could all do to work together to better the sport. Thank you to Brent and Abby for joining us. Sit back and relax and enjoy the Dark Zone. I'm joined by Abby Perkis and Brent Friedland of Rootstock Racing. For those of you new to the Dark Zone, Rootstock Racing is an adventure race production company out of the East Coast of America, primarily working out of Pennsylvania and races in Maryland. Um, this is on the cusp of one of their premier events, the Crooked Compass, is this coming Saturday, which is a 10-hour adventure trek through the, uh, the jungles, the wilds, the forest of Thermont, Maryland. Um, but we're not here just to talk about Crooked Compass, but Rootstock Racing joins the Dark Zone because there's a fair amount of great news that they want to share with the world about the progress of their race growth and obviously their work alongside the Adventure Racing World Series and their work with Bend Racing and Expedition Canada. So we'll jump right into it. Brent, I'm going to turn to you first a little bit. Before we, 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 we dive into all the great news about Rootstock Racing, could you talk a bit about the Endless Mountains and what that represents for, in, for Rootstock Racing and for the Adventure Racing World? Yeah, so we started Rootstock Racing in 2015. Um, before that, for folks that don't know us, we were part of the, the Goals Adventure Racing Association. We raced for them for a number of years years and, you know, started directing, um, races for Ann and Bill Gibbons, um, and then branched out on our own in 2015. And, you know, Abby and I have been daydreaming about the, the potential of designing an expedition race for some time. Um, you know, we've flirted with the idea for several years, but for various reasons, usually kind of, um, life factors, kids work, just general fatigue, et cetera, decided not to do it. Um, but uh, this past year during the pandemic, I think we had more time to think and plan and decided uh, the time felt right for us to, to take a stab at a multi-day race. So, you know, I think just like for a lot of racers, you work your, your way up as a racer, you know, most people start with short races and then, you know, kind of elevate to day long races, 24 hour overnight. And then, you know, eventually some of us um, move on to expedition racing. I think it was a, a similar path for us as race directors. So I think we decided to take the plunge and, and go for it. It's not uncommon for people to start small, right? Six, eight, races, 12 hours, 24 hours, then multi-day. Clearly, the, the Endless Mountains is a five-day race set in Western Pennsylvania. I, I believe it's out of Clarion. Clarion, Pennsylvania is the is the host site, the host city um, for the race. If somebody were to be on the fence, Abby, about coming into a five-day race, what kind of supports could a newer expedition-level racer expect from Rootstock going into the event itself so they could make that leap with a sense of comfort and it's not too, the water isn't too deep for them? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And I'm reminded of, you know, early on in, in my own racing career, going and hearing Robin Benincasa, one of the kind of forerunners of the sport, um, talking about how she got into it. And she likes to tell the story of how her first race was this, you know, eight hour, or, I'm sorry, eight day expedition, like in the far reaches of the world. And I think a long time ago, that is how folks entered the sport. And we're really lucky now in the United States to have this incredible grassroots um, kind of community born out of the local, the you know, the local regional scene where racers do have have the opportunity to start small and level up. And we see the endless mountains as an opportunity for people to take that next level, right? To level up from the 12 or 24 or 36 hour race to the multi-day race. And one of the primary ways we're doing that is actually we're launching this, this upcoming week is by putting out a series of racer resources, essentially. So you want to do your first expedition race. This is how you can think about food. This is how you can think about gear. This is how you can think about sleep strategy and team dynamics and training. And we have a whole series of those that should go out once a week over the next several weeks. Um, we also have designed a course that we think will offer folks a pretty kind of accessible experience, right? P Pennsylvania is no joke. Like it's, it's a subtle, the land is relatively subtle. We don't have the big mountains of the West Coast or the Appalachians or New England, but it's somewhat unrelenting. Um, so constant up, constant down, lots and lots of rock and roots. Um, all that said, we've really tried to create a course that allows people to have that journey with however much of the course they can, they can take on, right? So whether they're full course or the minimum distance, um, we have really aimed to focus on the short course, focus on the minimum course and make sure that is the heart of the journey and, and then expand out for folks who want the bigger challenge. And I, and I want to shout out James, Thorlo, James Thurlow of uh, Open Adventure, who we, we have done a number of his races in the UK, and we've gotten to learn a lot about his race directing philosophy. And he has often said that he looks to the short course first and tries to design that it, to be like, you know, the highlights reel of what he has to offer. And we, we have really valued our experience as racers being a part of his races and have taken on a lot of um, his ideas and, and ideas and philosophies from other race directors we respect and put, tried to put those into the endless mountains planning. I think that's a, a big thing we see in adventure racing is the, the incremental growth that we have. We see it as racers, right? We go to a race and we're new, but we see another team, how they're working. We pick up some hints and tips from them. We watch their experience. We build in our own. And you have that as a as a as a race directors looking across the pond at James Thurlow, who the open adventure races are incredible. And he has an event uh, in August. He has a Itera Oban, which is in southwestern Scotland, which is a, a, a amazing, amazing, beautiful race. And James does a great job. And to your point, you 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 built upon all that and you've watched the experience. Uh, I think it might have been Rootstock who tagged the line: "No need for a passport, no need for a plane." Because very often you need to, to get to these big races. You need to go, you need to fly somewhere around the world. You need to have a passport. You need to get all your gear there. This is a pretty accessible race because I think Pittsburgh is the nearby city. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we are close to, you know, Pittsburgh, um, not too far south from places like Rochester and Buffalo. And, you know, it's one of the things we're, we're excited about with the event is, um, you know, as Abby said, it, it may not be 
you know, quite as glamorous as some of the other major expedition races around the world. But, um, you know, we really think that um, it is a, a great stepping stone for people looking to um, uh, enter multi-day racing while also uh, providing a probably a more serious challenge than a lot of people appreciate. I, I think anyone that has competed in our weekend long events, whether it's our 24 to 36 hour two rivers race or our two day stage race, the Stockville, where you race 14 hours, sleep for a few hours and then and then do 10 hours on day two. Um, you know, I think people constantly remark on um, how beautiful uh, Pennsylvania is um, and also how challenging it is. Um, as Abby said, it can feel a bit unrelenting at times. Um, you know, the, the terrain that we have is, is relatively technical. And um, we also like to emphasize navigation and get people off trail a fair bit, which slows things down and makes things more challenging. So I think whether you're a top team looking for a, a challenging multi-day race or a, a beginner team looking to maybe, yeah, get into it without having to worry about losing your bike on a plane, um, we really can offer a lot of different experiences to a lot of people. And for those looking to travel in from further afield, whether it's from the West Coast or, you know, I don't know if we're going to end up with any international teams this year, but, uh, you know, we are working on uh, making sure that we can assist those teams flying in as well. What disciplines will be our part of the Endless Mountains? The Endless Mountains will include trekking or running um, with will be a mix of road trail and off trail travel. And as Brent said, in our shorter races, we really prioritize off trail travel and navigation and the endless mountains will be no exception to that. Um, folks will be on bikes and that will be a combination of road, forest road, and um, some more technical trails. They will be in canoes and they will also be in pack rafts. Um, and there'll be some fun challenges, but none of them will require like technical gear or additional skills. Um, they're just kind of nice stops along the way. Gotcha. Sounds like a great race for a, for a team that wants a challenge. They could, you know, very often we use the phrase, make our own adventure, right? And so a team could, they could have, eat as much of the course as they want and leave as much behind as they want, but they'll, they'll get the full experience. Brendan, what were you thinking? Yeah. I mean, I would just add, it, it's not a, a discipline, you know, it's not a, a discipline, but um, I think it marries the discussion of what you can expect on the course with the back to that question of new racing is um, we really will have a mixed type of format. So, you know, expedition races tend to traditionally be point to point events. Um, several of them, including, you know, as Abby mentioned, um, the iTerra race over in the UK. Uh, I know uh, Bend Racing also um, has adopted a, a different kind of, um, I guess, uh, what's the word, you know, a, a, a different verbiage, different language for how they kind of go about describing their checkpoints and such. But like those kinds of events, we will have a, a mandatory route that all teams will be expected to complete. But then there will be various different short course options. And some of the course will be will be much more traditional um, in the sense that it will be, um, you know, point to point, you have to complete the whole journey, but then there will be options to kind of, uh, expand off of that route as you go. So for new racers, you know, we really, again, I just want to stress, um, we really are going to look out for new racers in this event, uh, both in terms of how we design it, uh, but also the resources we offer. And then, you know, on race day and race week, we, we really try to, um, we, well, we pride ourselves as race directors that check in on, on all of our racers. 
Tell us a bit about the the Adventure Racing World Series and the demonstration race because I know that's a very exciting movement for Endless Mountains. So that was that was an interesting development. Um, that was not originally part of the plan. We we did not have an ambition to be part of the Adventure Racing World Series. Um, that actually evolved out of some conversations we started having with Jason Magnus um, from Bend Racing. Um, I mean, gosh, I guess a month to six weeks ago now, things really took a sharp turn with that conversation. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the adventure race world series piece, and then also our kind of, uh, working with Jason and also Natalie, um, from expedition Canada, um, to create this new North American expedition race series, all of that really manifested, um, within the last month to month and a half. Um, Jason honestly sold us and I think he had to sell me a bit more than he did on, on Abby. I think Abby was more open-minded to the idea of ARWS, um, before we made the decision, but Jason really sold me on ARWS, frankly, making the same argument that I've made for a long time about USARA. And, um, that argument really is a pretty simple one. It is that our community and our sport and our racers and race directors all benefit when we work as a collective unit. Um, and it's not to say that we don't each have kind of our own interests to look out for as race directors, but um, I think too often in our sport, um, you know, race directors or kind of bigger, larger organizations tend to tend to go it alone a little bit too much. Um, I'm a big believer in. Um, you know, people working together. Uh, it's one reason I've been involved with USARA for as long as I have been. It's one, uh, it was the primary reason that I, you know, have been working closely uh, with a group of other folks to um, kind of rebuild USARA um, and help USARA elevate to kind of new levels in terms of community leadership. Um, it's the reason that I think rootstock racing has stood by USARA over the years and why goals ARA before us did that and still alongside of us as, as well as many other organizations. And Jason made, you know, a very similar argument, uh, about ARWS, just saying that like our community will really benefit if we, um, collaborate and work together collectively. Um, so, you know, one thing led to another, we ended up kind of creating this, this, this series with Bend and Expedition Canada, which is is technically separate from ARWS, but you know Jason said that it would really be great if we would if we would consider being part of ARWS as well to kind of unify that part of the effort. And so, so, so let me let me come let me circle back and clarify that a little bit here because there's there's really two threads that you're mentioning here, actually three. So on one thread you have Endless Mountains Adventure Race, right, which is a an inaugural five day event being held in Western Pennsylvania put on by Rootstock Racing. So, and first off, on behalf of the community, thank you for bringing this back to the East Coast, right? There's been a, a great history of, of adventure racing in the country and the fact that it's an East Coast race is fascinating. But alongside that, we then have the Adventure Racing World Series. And for those who are newer to adventure racing and newer, that is basically an international series of races that take place internationally. I hate to point out the obvious all around the world that that work with a, a crew basically out of Europe and Africa that are everywhere. And those are and they host not only regional races, but they host demonstration races and they host these larger multi-day expedition races. And they culminate with the Adventure Racing World Championship every year. And Endless Mountains is a demonstration race this year. So what is a demonstration race compared to a regular ARWS race? 
Yeah, so a demonstration race is, a friend recently compared it to a demonstration event in the Olympics, and I, I thought it was an apt comparison. Essentially, it's the first time an event is taking part in the series, and it's kind of a test run, right? It's an opportunity for the race directors to, to show off what they can offer and to invite racers to come and, and, and take that in. And I believe racers get 30% of the points that they would get in um, in a full, uh, ARWS event. So the ARWS is a series of races and, and teams can accrue points based on how they do at each individual race. And then in aggregate, they are part of the standings for the world series. And so at a demonstration race, they would earn 30% of the full point offerings. Uh, and then the expectation is that the following year, the race will be a full uh, qualifying event. So in 2023, the Endless Mountains is expected to be a full qualifying event, assuming everything goes well this year. Gotcha. So congratulations, because ARWS doesn't give that away easily. So clearly you must have passed the sniff test when you talked about the race and the rigor and the events and things like that. So congratulations by having that, that, that partnership and that branding. The, the third lane we've talked a bit about here is the is the the collaboration with Ben Racing and Expedition Canada. Talk a bit more about that, because as someone who is a big fan of adventure racing, and I hear this often from our listeners, they love to hear about growth in the sport and love to hear about how the sport is coming along. And very often people return to the halcyon days of years ago when we had these kinds of races. This feels like a bit of a renaissance. It feels like a bit of a, a, a change in the atmosphere, if you will, the fact that three major races and three major race organizations are collaborating for North America. Can you expound on that a little bit more for the, for the, for the crowd that's listening? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I think that there's, there's a few things, right. The, the, the most fundamental benefit I think will, will be a very simple one. It'll be that the three race organizers, um, with the potential I, I shall add, uh, that we may ultimately bring in one or two other race directors to, to work with us. Um, I'm not really kind of, uh, in a position to, to talk about that right now, but, you know, we have had some, you know, good conversations with, uh, a couple other folks who might be interested in, in working with us down the road. Um, you know, but I think one of the, the most important things is that we really are committing to coordinating with each other. Right. I mean, I, I think that, um, we all know that, you know, you'll, you'll go for months without a race that works for you. And then all of a sudden there's five within three weeks within your region, you know, I'm referring really to, to weekend races or, or day long races. But, um, you know, I think that, uh, scheduling look as a race director, scheduling is difficult. And sometimes you, there's no way to make everybody happy. Um, and you know, what works for you on certain weekends, uh, might be dictated by the local parks telling you that you can come in this weekend, but not that weekend. Uh, what might work for you uh, is dictated by the fact that you have a life outside of adventure racing. Most of us have full-time jobs uh, and we have families that also um, tend to determine when we can run races. So sometimes there really isn't a whole lot that we can do about that. But clearly there's a, there's a positive benefit for, for adventure racing in North America when, when three of the premier organizations choose to put together a race. And I, I want to make a distinction here, Brent, if you could clarify this for me. An expedition race is how many days? Yeah, that, that's a great question. You know, open for debate. You can ask 10 different people. You'll probably get a few different answers. Um, some people say, you know, anything, I think, over kind of 72 hours. Um, I, I would just say, you know, Abby and I have raced in 
15 or so ARWS events. Um, and uh, we are by no means as experienced as, say, the Jason and Chelsea Magnus and, and their crew from Bend or, you know, Mark Latanzi, J.D. Eskelson. There's, there's plenty of folks that are more experienced than we are. But, you know, we've been around a fair bit. And I would say that, um, you know, for me, I think you want to get into that four to five day range before you're really talking about a true expedition race. Yeah. Is it safe to say that the three races that are collaborating here are similar in length? Yeah. Yeah. No, they absolutely are. Um, I think that's one thing that, um, you know, drew us to, to reaching out to Jason Magnus, uh, a while back, um, you know, and Natalie as well. And, and I mean, there are one or two exceptions, but for the most part, I think that is also at least an unwritten standard for, for ARWS. I don't know if they actually have a, um, I mean, I don't think they do have a, a clause saying a race has to be a certain length to be part of the series. I think Quire Sinchi, for example, I believe is, has been at least a, oh, is it a four day? Okay. I was going to say, I thought maybe a, a three day at times, but, um, you know, I know back in the day, Grant Killian was part of, um, ARWS, uh, as a 72 hour race. So I think that they've at least been open to it, but I, I think kind of four to five days is the standard minimum you're looking at. Gotcha. And, yeah. and not to belabor the obvious, but why is this a positive development to North American adventure racing? Like what, like what's the benefit to the average racer for Bend, Rootstock and Expedition Canada to work together? Yeah. I mean, you know, so honestly, we, we reached out to, to Jason first um, and uh, we reached out to him just, you know, kind of looking at the schedule for the year and uh, realizing, as I think a lot of racers have realized, there's all of a sudden this glut of multi-day racing. Right. You know, you've got um, Bend in what is it? Early May. Is that yeah, right mid-May. Early mid-May, you've got, um, you know, Expedition Canada in early June. You've got us in late June. Uh, you also have a couple of three-day races. You've got one in Florida in February and one in Colorado at the end of the summer. You know, all of a sudden you go from like maybe having one multi-day race in North America to having five. And on one level, that's terrific, but, you know, we're real, we're, we're really big believers in, um, cooperation. You know, I think that's one reason we have, um, you know, been part of USARA for as long as we have. Um, I personally have been working with USARA for over a decade in various different capacities. Um, but for the last, I think six or seven years as part of the, the board for USARA. And then the last couple as part of the small group that, um, you know, has kind of, uh, taken lead at USARA. Um, and so I'm a really big believer in, in cooperation makes us better. Um, it makes our sport um, better. And I think we wanted to reach out to Jason and then ultimately ended up talking with Natalie as well from Canada um, about this idea, this concept of working together um, to collaborate for the future. Um, you know, so coordinating our schedules, among other things, for this North, uh, North American Expedition Race Series. I think the other piece is that there's so much energy in the sport right now. It's an exciting time to be adventure racing globally, but I think especially in the United States, right? There's new racers coming out of the woodwork. There's new organizations springing up. There's resources available for folks to put on their first races. Um, there's a lot of energy. And a lot of that is happening at that regional 12 to 24 hour level. And so to, as we talked about earlier, kind of level that up and bring some of that energy that, as Brent said, collaborative energy to a multi-day scene as well to elevate um, kind of the presence of U.S. and North American expedition racers in addition to creating, you know, um, 
in, in, in addition to having a robust 12 and 24 hour scene to have that that kind of next level robust scene as well. And and hopefully for more U.S. racers, once they get the taste of it here in North America to travel overseas and take on some big adventures around the world as well. And so I guess what we're seeing here is that the dynamic that exists during an adventure race itself, when the team has to work together and they're all interdependent upon each other, those teams quickly realize that they tend to do better in races. They tend to go further. And so the three race organizations that are working together with the North American series are kind of doing the same thing. You realize that by working with each other along the way, not only are you helping your individual events, but you're bringing those three events a bit more prominence and you're helping the entire scene that's happening in North America. Am I, am I capturing that essence correctly? Yeah, totally. I mean, I've said this so many times, it sounds kind of trite, but one of the things I love most about our sport is that when a team is successful, the individual pieces become secondary to the larger whole, right? And the team becomes better than the sum of its individual parts. And I think we see a lot of potential in that for this series as well. I do want to come a bit back to the idea of working with ARWS. And the reason being is, is that for the, for the newer racer, getting into the sport, they might only see adventure racing through the context of their local race series, what they see here. On your own experience, can you can you give a back of the napkin explanation of what ARWS is, where it takes place around the world? Maybe you want to mention Heidi Muller. Maybe you want to talk a bit about the work that she's done, uh, the World Championships recently. Like, you know, people very often think of their own experiences locally, right? So if someone's coming out this weekend to go do the Crooked Compass and their race experience begins and ends in Thermont, Maryland, right? But there's a larger scene here. And I, and I really like to talk about that for the for the listener to the podcast, that there's an entire network of races that take place around the world that is worth bringing attention to because there's a lot of people interested in adventure racing in a lot of different countries. And you've both raced ARWS series multiple times. Can you talk a bit about those experiences and those races? You know, we've, we've raced in Tasmania. I've raced in India. We've raced in the UK several times. Um, you know, we've competed in a, a number of American based ARWS events, you know, untamed new England multiple times expedition Alaska, which is, is probably the single craziest, uh, most memorable event. I, I think I'm speaking for Abby too, that we've, we've competed in though. Absolutely. And I do it again in a heartbeat. And that, and that, and that movie is available, I believe on Amazon yeah. prime or, and I'll put that in the show notes where they yeah. can find that. Cause that's an amazing, uh, that video, the, the movie itself is, is, is amazing to watch and not to give away spoilers, but Jason Magnus had an incredible experience with an underground stream and a crevasse and water. And it's, if you're listening to this podcast, go watch the expedition Alaska movie. It's fascinating. Yeah, no, definitely. Though I would put out a, a special plug. I know we're rapidly uh, entering tangential territory here, but uh, Expedition India also was just an, an unbelievably unique, memorable, um, just remarkable experience. Um, in 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 other ways, my my most memorable event um, that I've competed in. But you know, these events all have um, kind of a, a grandness to them, right? And um, that said, the grandness is not always just about kind of where you're racing. You know, most ARW, most ARWS events, excuse me, um, you know, definitely have a, a pretty nice kind of, a, um, you know, location to sell. And I think as we talked about early in the podcast, I, I do imagine that some people probably look at endless mountains and think like Pennsylvania, like what's with Pennsylvania? Um, and I totally understand that. I mean, honestly, I moved down to Pennsylvania from New England 
Um, you know, we've, we've loved racing in untamed new England, um, going back to, I think 2009 was my first untamed new England. Um, but you know, we, several years back, we started to really kind of explore North central PA. It's this amazing region called the PA wilds. And, um, you know, we ultimately, you know, learned about it through a map. It was, you know, a cartoonish, you know, artistic rendering of the region, um, highlighted all sorts of interesting things we'd never heard of, um, things we'd never seen before. And one that caught our attention, um, was elk. We looked at each other and said, there's elk in Pennsylvania. We, we had no idea. And one thing led to another. And, um, you know, last winter we spent some time kind of out in elk country and, uh, you know, had some firsthand encounters with the, the big 1200 elk herd that's out there. Um, anyway, long story short, you know, we, we really came to discover that this region of Pennsylvania is, is pretty spectacular. I think it's a really underappreciated natural resource, um, that, um, is worth exploring for people from all over the country. And it may not, you know, have the, the same allure that the Rocky mountains have, or even some of the East coast mountain ranges that are a little bit more um, familiar or, um, you know, well-known, um, you know, but it really is a pretty special, special area. So I think back to your question, I know that diverged a little bit, but I was just going to say, I think sometimes, you know, the, the grandness of an ARWS event, it, it's in the vision of the race, right? It, it's in the vision of the journey. Um, and while it's wonderful to have big mountains or, you know, sea kayaking or whatever it might be, that's kind of Wahoo factor, et cetera. Um, you know, let's, let's be honest. We've, I think I'll track some ARWS events that aren't exactly as enthralling as we might expect. You know, I think a lot of what goes into it is what's the journey. Is it a point to point journey? Is it a bunch of little loops? Um, you know, are you on roads the whole time or do you actually get off off road and have some challenging navigation? Um, and that's where I think that we really see the endless mountains marrying into the ARWS. And I want to, I want to expose my own bias here. Um, Cause when we, when I learned that the U S national championships were going to be held in Cable, Wisconsin, I thought to myself, what in goodness sakes could be interesting about Cable, Wisconsin. And this past year's U S national championships was an amazing race in a part of the country that does not get the attention that the Rockies get and the Appalachians get and the Adirondacks get. So to your credit, I think it's safe to say that, uh, that endless mountains will join the pantheon of races. That is an incredibly am amazing place for people to go and visit. And they would never have known about it if Rootstock Racing did not bring them to that part of the, of the race course. Um, and that being said, Abby, I know that you've worked with some sponsors lately. And the most important question we have is, is as to, have we secured a coffee sponsor? That's the question I'm curious about. I think we have. I think we can officially announce that we will have Press House Coffee. Uh, they will be joining us from the Pittsburgh area and they will actually have their portable coffee cart stationed <laughs> at one of our TAs. Um, so we're super excited to have them. I got to say, like, we have received so much warmth and so much support from the local community. Clarion, their tourism bureau, we've had meetings with them. They're talking about kind of like building town events around the race, bookending the race. We're talking to folks in the PA Tourism Bureau. We, we have uh, Clarion River Brewing, who was the first team, the first group to sign on as sponsors. And they'll be giving out beer to folks, probably probably not at the finish line because we may have other beer at the finish line, but at the post-race party, um, other beer care of, you know, the town of Clarion. Um, just this amazing outpouring of support. Um, I want to also just name bike uh, dirt bags, 
Bike Packing, who is a sponsor that's joining us, and we're going to have prizes from them. They're this amazing company that builds bags for bike packing that translate perfectly to adventure racing. And Brent mentioned earlier the PA Wilds, and we're super excited to be partnering with them. We're still kind of working out what exactly that looks like, but it's an opportunity for us to really help build sustainability, help help um, foster sustainability in the region, right? Give back some of the, the revenue generated from the event to make sure that all of the local man, man, land managers and, and preservation alliances and stuff are, are having, you know, resources by, by virtue of us going through these areas. And, and we're hoping actually to run a small event alongside the endless mountains. The race will run Monday through Saturday and this small event will be on Saturday and it will kind of be sponsored by the PA wilds and for the PA wilds. So all of the revenue from that event will go to support entities within the PA wilds. Um, so the local community, Pennsylvania, uh, broadly, and then the PA wilds region and the clarion region. Um, there are others that I can't tell you because it would give away stuff on the course, but pretty much every place that racers are going to pass through, they're going to be welcomed with open arms. And, and credit to Rootstock Racing for doing that, right? It's it's easier to go to the more sexy places, right? There are there are name brand places, and there are regions that are well known nationally and internationally. But the fact that you're you're tapping into this un, this un, this hidden resource, if you will, in Western Pennsylvania, within spitting distance of a major hub in in Pittsburgh, really speaks to what everyone's putting on there. So 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 thank you for doing that. And I think that it's it's a, it's a lot for Rootstock Racing to be proud of the RWS partnership, the collaboration with Bend and Expedition Canada. The fact you're putting on a five-day race when you check off all those boxes, it's great to see that Rootstock is joining along with this, this all this energy that's growing up around adventure racing. Um, here's the Thank final question you. that I, I want to appreciate that. Yeah, the, the final question I want to kind of lead into is I want to be cognizant of your time and our listeners' time. What 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 I always like to ask what trends you're starting to see overall in the sport itself, right? There's there's the micro issue of always talking about the races that we're doing, but the, the, the sport of venture racing is moving in certain directions at certain times. And I like to have people weigh in on what directions, what trends are they seeing in the racing community and in the world racing that is feels really good about the race or trends that maybe we have to keep an eye on. Great question. Um, that, that is a great question. Um, you know, I actually just listened to your podcast with, uh, Mary Chandler yesterday um, and, uh, you know, I think you, you guys talked about the trend of, um, you know, increasing numbers of women participating in the sport. And I absolutely agree with that. You know, I, I think that, um, it's been amazing watching the, uh, women in adventure racing or women in AR initiative that, um, started with a couple of, um, private individuals working a little bit in conjunction with USARA to try to get women, uh, all women's teams to, uh, the national championship. And, you know, I think that, um, I think I'm correct in saying Steph Ross will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the all women's field has grown every year since the initiation of that, um, you know, up through Wisconsin this past year, which is awesome to see, but I, I think we're seeing that at our, at our races. Um, I also think, you know, I, I mean, most race directors have seen a, a surge in entry over the last year, year and a half since eco challenge came out. Um, man, I am so bummed both as a racer and as a race director, and just as a member of the community that, uh, you know, right now, at least it looks like that was a one and done, um, revival, uh, because I, I really think that if eco had come back and, 
you know, I heard it was rumor, but I heard rumor that they had a, a three race deal with Amazon and kind of assuming that that might not be every single year, but maybe every other year and was kind of seeing it as like a 10 year boom for the sport. Um, and I, I think it really would have been, um, because I think we all saw numbers skyrocket last year. Um, and they still seem up, but I, I don't know if it's going to stay that way. Um, but definitely seeing a lot more people, you know, being willing to jump into bigger races right away. Um, you know, which I think is cool to see, you know, I think historically the bigger 24 hour races or so would have smaller fields and, and tend to be more experienced. And I think at our two rivers last year, we definitely had more people kind of just jumping in with two feet. So from a gear and discipline perspective, we're definitely seeing pack rafting gain popularity. You know, it's it's been huge in the Pacific Northwest and, and Alaska for a number of years, but now there's more and more races on the East Coast that are using it. In addition to Endless Mountains, I know Naira's using pack rafts for their longest day. Main Summer Adventure Race is using them, or I'm sorry, Strong Machine is using them at the Main Summer Adventure Race. You know, Oregon's going to have them again. Um, so I think think racers will ultimately start to see um, a real value in investing in pack rafts. And my hope is that pack rafting companies will in turn start working with race directors and, and racers um, to, you know, to source those. You, you see into the scene to gear crossover, you mentioned that dirt bag, uh, bike packing bags are, are uh, they work alongside rootstock racing. It's interesting how the bike packing community's gear is, is a Venn diagram to adventure racing with the pack rafting. They all sort of they're separate adventure gear and then it all come together for the purpose of being used during races. So I, I agree. And I think the pack rafts are just, it's, it's an incredible hook. It opens up so much more of the course because every blue line becomes a possible place for people to travel on. And one super exciting development, actually Naira's Eric Caravella helping us out um, and really helping out the entire racing community by holding a series of workshops and skills clinics in the spring for folks getting ready to do a race with backrafting so they can feel safe and, and ready to take that on. And Brian, I know you, I think, have done some of Eric's courses. Yeah, I've had a chance. Eric works with Packrafting Adventures is the organization that he's he's helped put together along his way. And to his credit, he's been an veteran. He's been a, and, uh, speaking about packrafting as, as an enjoyable experience for all and going on trips with him. And he puts together these great routes in Adirondacks. And so the natural evolution of uh, evolution of packrafting into adventure racing was a no brainer. Like that was you could see that three years away that that was coming. And, and to Eric's credit and to other racers credit, uh, the not owning a pack raft is not a barrier to taking part because now rental companies are reaching out to racers to get people in boats to get them to do the races. So once again, adventure racing has worked hard to lower barriers to entry, whether it be increasing women participation in AR, you know, Mary Chandler shared in her podcast that for the first time in her career, she was racing with another woman. Like it was, a, it was a two person female team and Mary's done like 10,000 races. And this is the first time that she's, uh, she's raced alongside a fellow woman. And I, I think, I think you're spot on the idea that Eric's a really good example and I think rootstock racing with Bend and Expedition Canada fall into this is that when people communicate with each other and they work together and they're not self-serving or working in their own interests, clearly the sport grows, whether it be through pack rafting coming in, ARWS grabbing onto endless mountains, there being a North American series, is that the bigger lessons that we're seeing here is that by working together and by people pursuing the things that they enjoy, the sport is only going to grow from there. Right. And, and we all know that the reverse of that applies that if, if anybody in the sport goes out on their own and is self-serving in any way, the sport's going to be hurt as a result of that. And so we have to be, we have to be careful about that. You know, I think we answered 
this question about trends right at the beginning, right? I mean, I think we have five multi-day races, you know, whether, you know, you think a three-day race is an expedition race or a five-day race has to be it, or I know some people think it's gotta be 10 days, that's an expedition race. Um, you know, I, I don't think it really matters, you know, five multi-day races on the continent is the most that I can remember having in my, you know, 15 plus years of adventure racing. Uh, probably by a couple of races at least. So, you know, that's a great trend. Now, I, I think what we what we do with that trend is kind of the big question, right? You know, I think if we can kind of figure out how to harness that energy and elevate things to uh, a new level, both in terms of the excitement and, you know, and such, but also like, how do we support racers? How do we get them involved in these events, right? How do we make them more accessible? How do we you know, create perhaps more of a kind of a unified language between the events so that, you know, the races actually seem um, to be more similar than they are different. Um, how do we create a better onboarding system to get racers who are still on the fence or maybe firmly in the no camp to multi-day racing? How do we create an onboarding system so that within a year or two, they're willing to start thinking about it, right? And how do we encourage the growth of the sport at the highest level, which is, I think for any adventure racer, I think we know that expedition racing kind of is the pinnacle. doesn't mean that everyone has to get there, right? You know, for some people, 12 hours is the pinnacle of the sport and that's great. But, you know, I think for the community as a whole and, and the sport and its, you know, ability to reach out to sponsors and, you know, to get media attention and things like that, we need to figure out how to harness that energy and, and work together now that clearly the energy is there. 